0: In 5, 4, 3, 2, 1.
1: It's time for the rundown with Rob Sanders.
0: Well, we're waiting. Welcome into The Rundown. I am Rob so he, Sanders. Thanks for joining us this story, afternoon. You're uh, on Fox Sports you know, Radio 1400 and around the world on the iHeartRadio so so it app. It on, so it's great that I get to come he, he and uh, talk some have sports have with you today. He, today his is his a flashback is Friday edition O-A-I-L, of the show.
2: I've got a couple of great now, interviews now, that now, I've done
0: in the past a little bit here. The COVID-19 show, I'm calling it. And I listened back to some of these last night. I was like, you know what there are people, people that, that probably miss Sam these. I thought it'd be kind of cool to uh, relive some of them, from, uh, and we'll start from with from former so Dallas Cowboys a head a coach Wade Phillips. He, he Want to welcome into the rundown football coach, and I say coach because you've coached just about everywhere. Winner of a Super Bowl ring or a Super Bowl champion, I guess that's how what you call it with coach. Coach Wade Phillips, coach. Thanks for joining us here on the program yeah good to be here hope everybody's safe yes sir i I wanted to ask you how you were dealing with stuff with the coronavirus you pretty much staying at home yeah, we, uh,
2: you know, I don't do I don't do anything, and I don't start till noon, so there's not much to do.
0: <laughs> I hear you on that. Well, coach, you have a book coming out called "Son of Bum: Lessons My Dad Taught Me About Football and Life." Uh, I did a little research on your dad last night, and uh, he was a Marine, signed up uh, to go into the Marine Corps right after Pearl Harbor. Uh, that that just says a lot a lot about your dad. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, that early portion of his life and and how that affected you later on? Yeah, he uh he was uh yeah, I mean when the war
2: came on, I mean he just joined and, and jumped right in, uh thought he was going <laughs> to thought he was going to win the war by himself. I mean, you know, he he didn't like all the marching and practicing. He wanted to go go fight him so um uh, but uh but he wasn't a marine in that, you know, some people think a marines is uh rigid and so forth. Uh but when he came back from the war and stuff, uh uh, and started coaching. I mean he he uh, he had his own personality and was pretty pretty fantastic.
0: You know, I was looking through some of the coaching stops. For your dad, just in the NFL, he he, uh, coached in Houston three different times, San Diego, Oklahoma. Uh, I got Oklahoma State as one of the college spots, and then New Orleans as well. And then your list of of coaching stops everywhere from Houston to New Orleans to Philly to Denver. I mean, coast to coast, you guys coached pretty much all over the place. Uh, Can you tell us about one of your favorite spots, and maybe one of the favorite spots that your dad liked to coach?
2: Uh, well, I mean, I coached with my dad with Houston Oilers, so uh, and that was my first NFL job. So uh, that was the best. I mean, coaching with my dad was pretty neat. So, uh, and we had some great teams, and you know, people have heard of Earl Campbell. Uh, you need to look on YouTube to see just how great he was if you if you look on youtube at earl campbell you'll you'll see that he was what a fantastic why well, he's in the hall of fame and what a great player he was so uh so we had some great times there uh i've got a lot of great experiences in the nfl you know a lot of teams obviously um, you know the the great thing is a lot of places i've been the, the they, they weren't winning in the first year we won. You know, either won the division or had a winning record. I actually uh, went to the playoffs. So uh, that's been the fun part of it is, you know, going with a new team and, and them really doing well the first, first year and get going from there.
0: And, of course, the name of the book is Son of Bum, Lessons My Dad Taught Me About Football and Life. I've got a question from a listener. They wanted to know uh, how your dad ended up with the name Bum. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, uh, his
2: sister. He he tells the story. His sister, uh, you know, couldn't say brother, and she started calling him bum, and so it kind of caught on. So he he actually had to have a nickname because his his first name is O A I L, which nobody can pronoun- pronounce uh, even me. I mean, it's O L O L Phillips. They called him O.A. because that was his uh, initials. Uh, So... The people that uh, people that knew him and his family called him Bum, and said caught on, and everybody called him uh, Bum from then on. He said, as long as you don't put an A or a Z in front of it, he he was happy with being called Bum.
0: (laughs) You know, you mentioned you coached with your dad with the Houston Oilers. Uh, What were some of the things that you took directly from your dad that you used all the way through uh, your career when you uh, finished up with Los Angeles?
2: Oh, I think uh, a a lot of working with people, how to work with people. Um, You know, he had a great style for, um, you know, being able to to relate with players, young players. When he was, you know, he was in his sixties when I was coaching with him in late fifties and sixties. So um, he he related well with with younger players and. Uh, and people, you know, people overall, coaches and players and players from other teams. And, you know, so I, I just – his outlook was just so great. Uh,
0: people people enjoyed being around him. You know, when you worked with him uh, with the Oilers, was there almost like a, a different set of standards for you because you were his son?
2: Well, no, not really. Uh, you know, when, when everything was – when it was about football – It was it was a coach and and, uh, assistant coach. Um, You know anything where family was involved, then you know it was dad. You know it was dad and and uh, those those kind of things kind of separated. Now when it was coach, the coach he he uh, you know he wanted everybody to call him bum. You know uh, which I did and all the players did uh, because he wanted to be personal with people. You know, he wanted, uh, he didn't want to be Coach Phillips to everybody. Uh, you know, he wanted to be, he wanted to be bomb. And he was, and it was a new, unique relationship, I think. Uh, not, not many coaches ever that I've ever been around, uh, you know, did that. Uh,
0: being that you coached for so long, and then you were with your dad, and he coached for so long, are there, are, how different are the players now compared to uh, what they were back then?
2: Oh, obviously, it's really changed. I mean, of course, you know, when society's changed so much, you know, so uh, the players change, uh, you know, talent's gotten, you know, better because of training and so forth. We've gotten, you know, bigger and stronger and faster players at certain positions. Some players um, still could play, you know, some of the older players uh, with their talent could still play now, but, but uh, talent changed, but I, I, just society changed so much. Uh, we're you know we're a, a cell phone uh, society now. We're we're we're, uh, we're doing those things. So uh, that changed. But I tell you what didn't change, and what was great. I think about football and. And really, sports overall, but but football especially is is before the game. And I coached in high school. I coached in college and pro football, and for forty two years, and uh, it never changed before the game. Before the game, everybody's excited about playing. They love the game. They they're playing. They're not playing for money. They're playing for, for themselves and their teammates, and, and they're excited to play and they want to do well and they want to win. You know that that part never has never changed, and so that's the fun part of you know. Just you're nervous before the game, and I, and I think I coached six hundred and some games in the NFL, and I, was, I felt the same every every game. I was nervous for the game. I was excited about the team playing, and hope we and I felt like we'd do well, and we wanted to win, and that that didn't change. And that's what makes it neat about coaching.
0: I I wonder, though, were players more hard-nosed, say, back in the 70s and 80s than they are now? Well, I think part
2: of it was coaching, you know, but um, you still got guys that are... You know, mentally or physically tough. I mean, you know, now they may be just as mentally tough, but they're not asked to to do some of the things. You know, we're not, we don't practice like we did before. We don't uh, we don't put them through pads every day. You know, all that's changed. So, yeah, I think it's harder for them to be that hard nosed because they they don't have to go through all that.
0: You know, one of my favorite players, uh, as far as on the defensive side of the ball, is Nadama Kinsu. I just think that he is just a a vicious type of football player, and to play on the defensive line, in my opinion, I I think you need that. But do you have players that that you coach later on that you think would thrive earlier, uh, early that would have thrived earlier on in your career, and maybe coaches earlier in your career that, or players earlier in your career that would thrive later on? Oh yeah,
2: I got a bunch of them. Either way, I mean, just just with the Rams, we had Aaron Donald, who is the is a dominant force, and two, two times while well, I was there, two times defensive player of the year in in the league. So uh, he's he's right up there. But I coached Reggie White, Bruce Smith, um, you know, those guys too were fantastic players. Uh, Reggie White. Reggie White, uh, we had a strike year, so we only played twelve games that year at Philadelphia. He had twenty-one sacks, and I don't know that anybody's ever ever come close to having twenty-one sacks in twelve games. Um, you know, even even now, so uh, at any time, so I, he, you know, he was a fantastic player. Now, J.J. Watt I had at, at uh, uh, the Texans at Houston was was really some. DeMarcus Ware and Vaughn Miller were pretty darn good. I mean, I, I've been lucky to be around a, great, a lot of great players and a lot of great pass rushers.
0: Coach Wade Phillips, his book's coming out, Son of Bum Lessons My Dad Taught Me About Football and Life. And we talked a lot about football here, but uh, you mentioned the the life, port in your, the life part in your title there for your book. What are some of the big things that your dad taught you that you still carry on even now?
2: Well, like I say, the way to treat people—I mean, you know—the the golden rule, certainly—you know—treat people like you would like to be treated. You know, he he always did that. And then, uh, and and then in, in life, you know, uh, you have hardships, uh, but you work to overcome them. You know, you have things that uh, you want to try to win in your life, uh, and there's—and it takes hard work to do those things. Uh, and you learn that in football too, and I learned that from my dad.
0: Coach Wade Phillips joining us here on the Rundown this afternoon. My final question for you today uh, before, we, uh, before we let you out of here. There's a photo out there. You're wearing a Fortnite Legend T-shirt. You mentioned uh, uh, relating to, uh, to the players. Coach, how good are you at Fortnite? Uh, I'm sorry, I missed the question. I said, "There's a question out there. There's a picture out there of you in a Fortnite Legend T-shirt." Uh, you mentioned oh, that, yeah. you, uh, re- that you that you'd like to relate to the players. I-, I gotta ask you, Coach, how good are you at Fortnite? I'm not. I'm not great. <laughs> you know,
2: of course, the players. I knew the players you knew all knew about it. And my, actually, my grandson, you know, started playing for, Fortnite. He's you know six years old, but he was. Uh, you know he's really interested in it, and I said, "What is all this and and uh so i I found out it through through kids I found out about it, and then uh when I went to training camp, you know I knew all the players you know they were they were into it so um so I, I thought I'd again try to relate. You know, I, not that I knew anything about it, but I knew they thought, it, I knew they would think it was funny if a if an old guy
0: like me had a Fortnite shirt, on, especially Fortnite Legend. Fortnite yeah, so. Legend, uh, Coach Wade yeah. Phillips. He's at Son of Bum on Twitter. Tell uh, tell folks where they can get your book, Son of Bum: Lessons My Dad Taught Me About Football and Life.
2: Well, Amazon you get it uh, you know, right to your house these days, so uh which you know, people can't get out, so and and through any other source really. But uh I'd say
0: Amazon you get it quick. That's kind of the best way to go. Coach Phillips, thank you for joining us today here on the rundown. I appreciate it.
2: Hey, I do too. I enjoy talking to you.
0: Coach Wade Phillips joining us on the rundown this afternoon. Appreciate uh him and our flashback Friday episode today. Uh, Looking forward to uh, next week. We're supposed to have uh, our buddy Terrence Oglesby on today, but he is in the mountains and having a hard time uh, getting uh, cell reception and all that going on up through there. But he is going to join us next week and talk a little bit about uh, Clemson hoops and the NBA draft. So we'll talk about that and the headline that we had earlier from our good friends at uh, Fox Sports Radio here where uh, Oklahoma State is appealing their – Suspension of of postseason play uh, due to the stuff with Lamont Evans. Remember, the Gamecocks are also awaiting their uh, ruling from the NCAA as they've been hit with level one violations as well. I don't think it's going to be that bad for the Gamecocks, but still, it seems like the NCAA is not feeling it with uh, the stuff with Lamont Evans. So, going to be uh, interesting, to say the least, on that. Uh, up next in our flashback Friday set here, you know, big UFC event this weekend, but um, a UFC legend joined us in Michael Bisbing. And I want to welcome into the rundown this afternoon, all the way out from Los Angeles, California, U, uh, former UFC champion Michael Bisbing. Mike, thank Michael. Thanks for joining the show.
1: No, my pleasure, mate. Thanks for having me.
0: I appreciate you stepping in today, and of course, I follow you on Twitter, and get um, some comments out there about uh, the coronavirus. I mean, this is something that uh, we should take seriously. You agree?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, to be honest, I'm not an expert, but I try and get my advice from people that are experts. You know, I'm smart enough to realize what I don't know. So generally, I take advice from healthcare professionals, medical professionals, doctors. <laughs> Instacart shoppers know groceries. They know that you can't make guacamole with rock-hard avocados. They know how to quickly find those peanut butter pretzels you can never find. And they keep you in the know by giving you updates about your order along the way. Let Instacart shoppers help take shopping off your plate so you can get time and energy back for what really matters. Visit Instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time, minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Instacart. Add life to cart. People like that. And they all seem to be saying the same thing, that we have to employ this self-isolating. We have to, you know, do the social distancing, wash our hands, and, and, and try and avoid getting together in public places. You know, if that's what they're saying, then that's what I'm saying. Because I know doctors, but all the doctors and all the healthcare professionals seem to be saying the same thing. It's all uh, the, the people that say the opposite. You know, there's, there's a lot of idiots out there, my friend, and uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of them on Twitter. Uh,
0: I agree with you on that. Can you give us kind of a synopsis of, uh, of what it's like out in LA right now? Because it seems like uh, the bigger the city, it seems like it's uh, like a bigger, more of a lockdown. I mean, what's what's going on out in LA?
1: Yeah, well I mean we're on total lockdown here. I mean, um we haven't left the house in two well, this is the second week now, yeah. So and that's pretty much everywhere really. Uh, some of my buddies live uh you know, they live near the beaches. They said there's some people still getting together on beaches and things like that. However the police now are getting involved and in stopping people from congregating, starting to issue fines and things like that. But yeah, it's uh it's it's a little strange, you know. Everywhere's very very quiet wherever you go. Of course, restaurants, all that type of thing, they're all you know closed. Well, they're, they're doing takeout only. So uh, it's definitely a very very unusual time that we're going through. Uh, and I just. Hope everyone does their best to stay safe and, and, and stay healthy, you know. So, yeah, my, my best wishes to everybody.
0: Uh, Michael Bisbing, former UFC champion, joins us here on the Rundown this afternoon. Author of the book, Quitters Never Win. Um, I, I have to ask, what are you doing as far you said you haven't left the house in two weeks. Uh, what are you doing to fill the void? Are you are you watching a lot of TV? Or, I, I noticed on your Twitter feed that you were uh, you going to watch uh, the series Ozark on Netflix. I mean, are you binge-watching stuff or –
1: yeah, no, not really, to be honest. I've I've been keeping myself busy. Uh, I do a podcast, which is called Believe You Me. So uh, you can get that wherever you get podcasts, YouTube or wherever, you know, so that's called Believe You Me. So that keeps me busy. Uh, I've been doing that and I've got three kids, you know, just trying to do the homeschooling with them and then just, you know, just, just helping out and uh, looking at my phone a lot. <laughs> Let's be honest. The screen time has definitely jumped up over these last two weeks.
0: Uh, and I know that you've retired from the actual um, the martial arts career, but, I mean, do you, you still train? Yeah, yeah, so uh,
1: obviously, um, you know, I'm a lifelong martial artist. So, yeah, no, I still keep my hand in it. Unfortunately, i got to get knee surgery next week. So right now, I'm not doing too much. I'm still lifting weights and doing cardio and things like that. Uh, you know, I try and get two workouts a day, and typically in the morning I'll do some cardio, a peloton class, something like that. And then in the afternoon, I'll lift weights. Uh, and then when I get this knee fixed, I will hope to get back into some jiu and things like that. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I still try and keep busy.
0: Uh, in your in your book quitters never win uh, tell us a little bit about what folks should expect if they 're reading that because right now is the perfect time to go and grab a book right.
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, if anyone is kind enough to go and buy it, I think they'll enjoy it. All all the reviews that have come back from people are just incredible, to be honest. The response that I've had is fantastic. I mean, obviously, it's a biography. It's about my life story. Uh, I grew up in the northwest of England and left school at 16, and when I was a kid, you know, I... uh, you know, I, did, I got in a lot of trouble, shall we say. You know, I was a bit of an idiot, but, you know, I, I didn't have the best background, didn't have the best childhood. Uh, fortunately, I met a good woman and she got me on the straight and narrow. And, you know, I, I did a little spell inside. I went to prison, unfortunately, when I was a kid. But then when I met my wife, turned everything around. And then uh, those those unfortunate circumstances that I had as a child, I kind of, you know, turned them into a positive and, and started going after a career as a professional fighter. Fortunately, I... Uh, You know, I was able to become successful at that, but I lost an eye along the way. I won the World Championship with one eye. So a lot of people are drawing a lot of inspiration from the book, you know. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, if you give it a go, I'm sure you're going to love it. A lot of people think it's very funny, very inspirational, and I had a lot of fun writing the book as well. So, yeah, give it a shot. You never know. Plenty of time on your hands. Quitters never win. Check it out, please.
0: Yeah, and I have to ask you, though, you mentioned you have three children now. I mean, you mentioned that you had the, uh, the rough child childhood how do you uh, how do you deal with your kids on that front meaning yes dad did this and i don't want you to go that way i mean does that give you more of a of a stepping stone where you can relate more with your children or even uh young people just in general yeah, well,
1: you know, I mean, um, two of my kids are older. You know, one's 18, he's at college, and my daughter's 17. So, you know, they're old enough to understand and realize. And obviously, uh, when they were younger, I kept, you know, the fact that I got in trouble when I was a kid. I, I kept that to myself. I didn't want them to know. But when they got older, certainly with the book coming out, I mean, it's going to be public knowledge. But I told them about it, and I want them to learn from my mistakes. You know, I mean, I, I certainly made a lot of mistakes when I was younger, and I try and use that as, as those experiences to explain to my kids, listen, here, if you get in trouble, here's what can happen to you. It's going to follow you around for the rest of your life. You know, you know, they would see me every time we'd go on vacation, coming back into the country. You know, getting through customs and things like that was always difficult. So I explained to them, listen, you know, uh, you know, making mistakes in life can have real serious consequences. Uh, but fortunately, they're good kids. They take more after the mother than me, so I'm lucky.
0: Well, in addition to being uh, the mixed martial artist, I mean, you've had an acting career as well. You were in uh, uh, XXX. the Turn of Xander Cage and, and several other things. I mean, is it harder to get up for a fight and get ready for that? Or I mean, some people say actually doing your first acting gig is uh, it can be uh, almost damaging. Uh, I mean, which which one was harder to get into in your opinion, the the fight game or actually being an actor?
1: yeah do you know to be honest probably, I mean they're both very very difficult in their own you know for obvious reasons although they are very very different they're super competitive but obviously in a fight if you if you don't do well in a fight you uh, uh, it hurts <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> and it's true. embarrassing and you, you might wake up in a hospital if you don't do well uh, in a movie or a TV show then yeah you might get some bad reviews or some bad critics and you might get some some nasty comments on Twitter or YouTube but it's not as painful as a fight but I remember the, uh, obviously you know I got into doing action stuff through my fight career and I'd never acted before in my life. And my manager at the time got me this, uh, this role in a, uh, a movie and it was one of the lead roles that I'd never acted before. And I remember before I went on set, I was absolutely petrified. And I remember at that moment, I would have much rather have been inside an octagon fighting for my life than on a movie set. But fortunately, uh, you know, I did enjoy it. I did a good job. And, and now, yeah, that, that, that's uh, where I put a lot of my energy now, you know, I'm focusing on my acting career and things are going well. Uh, yeah, but, but it's a tough business, but I enjoyed the challenge.
0: You know, you, you said that uh, you had like the long MMA career. What did it mean to get into the UFC Hall of Fame last year?
1: Yeah, I mean, that was something that was unexpected, but obviously, uh, you know, I'm very, very grateful. You know, I, I'm very proud of my career in the UFC and mixed martial arts. It's a very, very tough career. Uh, I had a lot of fights at one point. I had the most wins inside the UFC. Uh, that record's been broken now, but as I said, at one point I had that. I was able to win the belt, but more importantly, I was, I was able to provide for my family and give them a better life, you know, and give them a life that I always wanted and always dreamed of for my children, you know, so that's really, prou- uh, you know, I'm really proud of that. Well, of course to be honored by the best fighting organization in the world and for them to put me in the hall of fame yeah you know i'm i'm very very proud of that
0: now you do some analyst work too is that harder being on the outside of the octagon
1: yeah, no, I work as an analyst and I do some commentary work for the UFC and I really love that. No, it's not hard. I love it. You know, I mean, a lot of people ask me all the time now that I'm retired, do I miss fighting, you know? And of course, uh, you know, th- th- that side of me will never go away, but the fact that I'm still a part of the UFC, I still get to commentate the fights. I think that scratches that itch for me because a lot of people say, you're going to come out of retirement, Mike, you know, will we see you come back for one more? And number one, the answer is definitely no, I've got too many injuries. And secondly, as I say, the fact that I'm still Part of the fights so i 'm octagon side i 'm calling the fights that, that that takes care of it just still being a part of the sport so for me uh, that 's very beneficial.
0: Uh, the author of Quitters Never Win, Michael Bisbing, joining us on the program today. And, and I've got one last question for you, and, and I, don't mean, I, I don't mean to be disrespectful with this because I know some fighters, when you mention this to them, they're like, I would never do that. But being a guy that has had the ability to go and make his mark in the MMA world, and you've made your mark being an analyst, and you've done some actual acting, have you thought about doing something where you might wrestle with like the WWE?
1: <laughs> that's not the first time that's been mentioned to be honest so yeah and, and I don't say that disrespectfully yeah no problem buddy no problem um, not really I mean, I mean listen it's, uh, I was never really a wrestling fan growing up professional wrestling wasn't something I was into and I know it's very very popular out here in America but I don't really watch it uh, but you never know listen we all need to make a living in this world and uh, right now there's not much of that going on for anybody
0: so if yeah. the WWE want to give me a call Send him my number. Uh, you know, I, I would pay to see a, a Michael Bisping <laughs> versus Brock Lesnar matchup or even uh, oh, uh they, they some that's... other guys in there too. I mean, I'd, I'd pay to watch that.
1: Uh, no, that's hilarious. Thank you. Yeah, you never know. I mean, right now things are going well, but uh, as I said, if, the, if Vince... Wants to give me a call and get me the WWE, you know, I'm all ears. We we, we could at least have a conversation, but uh, I appreciate you saying that. That's funny.
0: Michael Bisping joining us here on The Rundown this afternoon. Your book is called Quitters Never Win. Obviously, I think folks can get it on Amazon. That's pretty much the only way you can get it right now, right? Yeah, I think the best place is to go to DiversionBooks.com. I think uh, Amazon
1: are actually backdated with it, and they can't get it right now. But if you go to DiversionBooks.com, you'll be able to get it there. And, of course, you can get it in all good bookstores. If anybody's going to brave the elements and go to a bookstore, but, yeah, Amazon will get it to you eventually. But, as I say, DiversionBooks.com, you'll get it on there.
0: And tell us about your podcast. Where can we find
1: that? Yeah, the podcast is called Believe You Me. We talk about mixed martial arts, talk about current events. It's myself and a stand-up comedian from New York. And uh, people like it. It's very popular. You know, we, we get a lot of positive reviews. We get a little bit silly, a little bit stupid, a little bit controversial. So uh, if you don't get offended easily, check it out. As I said, Believe You Me, YouTube, uh, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts, you can find it. So, uh, yeah, just have a quick
0: search for that, Believe You Me. And thank you very much. Michael Bisbing joins us on The Rundown. Michael, thanks so much for joining us today. My my pleasure, buddy. Thank you very much. Michael Bisbing joining us on the uh, the rundown. We appreciate him. Talk a little bit about his book and all kinds of other good stuff there. And uh, it's unique to talk to someone who has had the life that he's had. I mean, he basically went from prison to being one of the best fighters in the world, a UFC Hall of Famer. And, you know, I wasn't a guy that was really into UFC a whole, whole lot. But it's a sport that's growing on me simply because of what the athletes do. I mean, they really put themselves on the line when they're out there. It's one of the most unique sports on the planet, in my opinion. We have a lot of other things we're going to get into today here on the Rundown, including a UFC preview coming up after the break. Of course, this weekend, UFC 250 kind of a one-sided card out for the main event we'll talk to you about that and a lot of other things on the rundown today oh i've also posted something on my blog i did the research and we'll talk about it here when we come back too. how can the sec not have a team in the college football playoff i'll have that for you in just a little bit Uh, i've done the math done the matchups And, ladies and gentlemen, it's not that far-fetched. It's not that far-fetched to think that you could have zero SEC teams in the college football playoff. Now, I know you SEC apologists are screaming, Rob doesn't like the SEC. It's not that I don't like the SEC. I just don't like the attitude of we're the best ever, and we don't have to schedule out of conference games. We don't need to do that. I don't enjoy that. But I've figured out a way, and I'll, I'll explain it to you here in a little bit, on how the SEC can get left out of the college football playoff. No, it's not sacrilegious. No, it's not crazy. It's just some things have to happen. That, And when I tell you what they are, you're going to be like, well, wait a minute, that could happen. That's not that far fetched, Rob. Okay. Try to, you know, open your mind a little, up. Okay. Try to, you know, open your mind a little bit today, especially for the, the folks that chant SEC SEC instead of I like my team, I like my team. So we'll get into that in just a little bit here on the rundown this afternoon. We've also got, as I said, my UFC picks, and uh, we'll get into those in a little bit. Uh, don't forget my buddy, Lawton Swan from Clemson Sports Talk. He's here this afternoon from 4 to 6. Be sure to check him out. He's got all kind of good stuff for you as uh, you get set for your ride home. And the podcast for the show will be up this afternoon at about 5 o'clock. Um, you can also follow the show on Twitter. I'm at Rob Sounds Good. appreciate the interaction there. Even the people that are upset with me because I posted the uh, – the tweets earlier this week from uh, the young man, uh, Kenyon Tuttle, from the Clemson football team. Clemson fans were not very happy with me about that, and that's fine. I mean, I I can take the, the brunt end of it. It's not a big deal. But uh, you can find all kinds of good stuff on my blog page, including the big re- recruiting uh, signing today as... Um, Clemson picks up a huge wide receiver from the state of Florida. Came down to Clemson at Ohio State. He chose to come to Clemson. And you can uh, check that out. That's on the blog page at foxsportsradio1400.com. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit of the UFC. And my SEC is out of the CFP here in just a moment on Fox Sports Radio 1400. Welcome back to The Rundown. I am Rob Sanders. Thanks for joining me here on Fox Sports Radio, 1400 around the world on the iHeartRadio app. Shout out to the folks watching on Facebook Live this afternoon. We appreciate them as well. Uh, Don't forget Tom Jones coming up in a little bit. But right now I thought it'd be kind of cool we can get into the fights. You know, the big fight this weekend, Amanda Nunez is a heavy, heavy favorite with uh, Felicia Spencer. It was kind of funny to uh, see these two face off. They're both wearing they're both wearing uh, their face mask, right? <laughs> Even though they're going to be locking it up in the ring tomorrow night or in the octagon, but they're both standing there in a face mask and the photographers are all wearing face masks and everything with them but then Dana White is standing in between them and he's like, yeah, I'm not wearing a face mask. <laughs> That's that's not happening on any level with Dana White, which is kind of funny. But with this fight, it, Nunez is such a heavy, heavy favorite. I mean, it is it is absurd to bet on this fight. But to give you some background, Spencer is a, a well-rounded fighter. She'd probably be favored against any featherweight on the planet other than Nunez and maybe Bellator champion um, uh, Cyborg, Cyborg Justino. She is 8-1, and one, six finishes. Her only loss came via decision at UFC 240 against um, uh, Justino there. So, the problem is, though, is that she's facing one of the rare UFC champions who seems like they've lapped the field. That's pretty much where we're at with Amanda Nunez. So... The big thing with her, she had a hard time with her last fight uh, with making weight, but she still beat up on Jermaine DeRandomi uh, De in a Bantamweight titled event. She's won 10 in a row, blown away the field, including the greatest women to ever fought. Only flyweight Valencia Shevchenko gave Nunez a significant challenge. She has five knockouts, two submissions in her last ten. And she's beaten six women who've held UFC championships. Justino, Shavinko, Holly Holm, Ronda Rousey, Misha Tate, and D. Randomy. So, she's basically tuned herself to the point where she's just outstanding. But, you know what? We used to say this stuff, especially when it came to uh, the women... With this, the thought was, is anybody going to beat Ronda Rousey? Eventually, somebody is going to catch Amanda Nunez. I don't know who it's going to be, but somebody's going to catch her. And when they do catch her, they're gonna, it's going to be a knockout of the proportion that uh, when uh, Rousey lost to Holly Holm. Now, I don't know if we can get that out of Spencer. But she doesn't have a lot of holes in her game, but she wants to bring Nunez to the ground. So watch that tomorrow night, by the way. She's going to have to soften up uh, Nunez's legs, and she can't trade with her, because if she trades with her, Nunez is going to knock her out. But Nunez, on the other hand, is just fast. Fast, fast, fast. So in my opinion, the easy thing to go here with that fight... Is if you're gonna bet, I mean, you gotta bet with Nunez, or put out a put out a hundred dollar bet on Spencer, and just think of it as like you're throwing it away. If you hit, you're gonna win big. So in other fights, um, I like uh, Neil Magny at one thirty uh, minus one thirty five to beat Anthony Rocco Martin. Uh, I like Corey Sandhagen at 105 to beat Algernon Sterling. And I like Sean O'Malley to win by knockout. So there's your UFC bets for the upcoming weekend. I'm at the point now where I look forward, more and more forward to a UFC fight. And I think a lot of it's got to do with the fact that uh, the baseball players can't get off their butt and get back out on the field. I'm glad the NBA is doing their thing, but as of right now, I've been really locked in on a lot of what's going on in the UFC and NASCAR, too. Two sports that I kind of followed, but it was kind of like, eh, all right, maybe, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there, but impressive either way with um, the fights coming up this weekend. Before we go to break, don't forget about Carolina Pool Tables Plus. Of course, they're right on Two Notch Road near the Sheriff's Department. Go by and check them out. They've got the best selection of pool tables in the Carolinas. And, you know, other pool table stores call themselves the best, bless their heart. That's all I can say about that. They're trying really hard, but it's just not happening. you got to go to 5717 Two Notch Road, open seven days a week. Go by and check them out. They're open until 6 o'clock tonight. Um, Maple and oak pool tables, that's what you get. Not not any of this fake wood and this stuff that's going to fall apart. You don't want any of that. Go by, check them out. 803-799-5305. And, of course, 5717 Two Notch Road. Open seven days a week. Carolina pool tables plus. More of the rundown in just a moment. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio 1400. didn't forget the Friday tradition. You've made it through, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy yourself some Tom Jones.
2: It's not unusual, you want to be loved by anyone. It's not unused you want to have fun with anyone. But when I see you hanging about
0: with anyone, it's not unusual to see me. Tom Jones on the rundown, of Friday tradition. Happy to have uh, Tom Jones every Friday. So I promised I would tell you how the SEC can get left out of the college football playoff. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not that far-fetched. Here we go. For the SEC to get left out of the playoff, here's what has to happen. And this is not that crazy far fetched. Georgia loses to Alabama and Auburn, they finish ten and two. Not that far fetched to think that can happen. Florida loses to LSU and Georgia. They both finish ten and two. With the tiebreaker, the Gators would win the East since they have the win over Georgia. Both teams are ten and two. In the West, LSU loses to Texas and Texas A&M. Now, you may say, Rob, why do you have LSU losing to Texas and Texas A&M? Because LSU has a new quarterback. LSU has a new, um, a new set of people that are working with the offense to replace Joe Brady. LSU has 16 players that are not playing for them now, that were, are now playing with NFL teams. And Texas gets them early. So that's why I have them losing to Texas early. Now, as far as Texas A&M late, Texas A&M, that's the final game of the season for LSU. And Texas A&M will be playing for Coach Jimbo Fisher's job. And they're going to roll into that game probably 8-3, and three, something like that. They'll lose to games probably Auburn ever and you know pick Alabama and probably a game they have no business losing because they're just not they're not going to be a championship caliber team for a little bit there at Texas A and M in my opinion and I I'm not completely sold on Jimbo Fisher but that's why I have LSU losing to them Alabama will lose to LSU and Auburn why not makes sense. Now, if that happens, they both finish 10-2. and Auburn's going to drop three games, I think. So with that, LSU has one conference loss. They win the West. The Gators get the revenge in the SEC championship game, and they knock off the Tigers. LSU finishes the season 10-3. and Florida goes 11-2 and and wins the conference. Now, all of that is not that far-fetched. it's really not so then the following things would have to happen. Oregon wins the Pac-12 and finishes undefeated with a close win over Ohio State at home. Ohio State rolls through the Big 10, the Big 10 sucks and they should roll through it. Bunch of overrated teams that can't do anything south of the Mason-Dixon line. What a what a trash conference. Anyway, they'll roll through the Big 10, the only loss in the schedule being to Oregon on the road. Clemson rolls through the ACC and finishes 13-0 with a tight win at Notre Dame in November. Oklahoma wins the Big 12 and goes 13-0. Notre Dame finishes the season with one loss. That would be a close loss at home to the Clemson Tigers. Now with that, you've got a Pac-12 champion that's undefeated. An Ohio State team that has one loss on the road to that Pac-12 champion. To so have a one-loss Big Ten team, even though there's going to be tons of folks that ha- Well, the Big Ten has to be there. Clemson, will, at undefeated, you're not going to leave Clemson out. And you're not going to leave Oklahoma out at 13-0. But what the hammer here is, is that there's going to be the Notre Dame apologists. And they're going to complain that they, th- they should be ahead of all of these SEC teams. Your champion is 11 and 2. With that, that is how the college football playoff could end up without an SEC team in it. Now, I guarantee you everybody from that uh, from here to Birmingham will lose their mind, but it's really not that far-fetched. Are you going to take a two-loss SEC champion? and put them in over a team that won their conference that's undefeated? I don't think so. I really don't think so. That's why the regular season matters so much. Now, I am working on uh, doing the research on there is a theory that you could have three SEC teams in the playoffs. So I'm giving that carrot to you, SEC apologists. I'll give you that on Monday. And Looking forward to that. That's going to be really cool. Um, I'm making sure I've got all my math right on that. But you could end up with three teams in the playoffs, or you could end up with none. That's the big window there. I don't see uh, another conference that has the capability of getting two teams in. Unless... Uh, the, the world falls apart. You can make an argument for Clemson and North Carolina and the ACC simply based on the fact that North Carolina scheduled UCF and Auburn. If they win those two games and they meet with Clemson in the ACC championship game and the game is close and you have a one-loss, Cle- or a one-loss North Carolina team and Clemson is undefeated, if the world falls apart, you can make an argument on that. But there is a setup where three SEC teams could make the playoffs. I'll explain that to you on Monday. Looking forward to that. But if you go down the list here, it's not really that far-fetched. It's really not. So, I love chaos theories, man. Oh, well, if this could happen, and everybody's like, well, Rob... I think I posted this last night, and uh, people were like, are you drinking? No, I'm not drinking. I just think this is something that's interesting. I love the what-if scenarios, man. It's so cool. It it really is. One of my favorite things to do, we all love the what-if game. You know, what if LeBron James played Michael Jordan? We love talking about that. And sometimes that's when you're drinking with your friends. But still would be interesting, if all of that happened, you could have the SEC out of the college football playoff. As far as the records go in conference, you would have that. In, I mean, that's not that far-fetched. The, uh, the stuff that's out of conference, maybe you could argue Oregon winning out would be more far-fetched than Florida winning the conference at 11-2. and two. And getting that win over LSU? You could argue that. You could argue that LSU is not going to lose to Texas and Texas A&M. I I mean, they did lose to Texas A&M on the road. And Joe Burrow was their quarterback the last time they played there. They put up 70 points and lost. Yep. So once again, if you take your SEC goggles off, you could be like, whoa, wait a minute it wasn't like I was throwing at you well Ole Miss has to beat Alabama no I mean Alabama in this set would drop games to LSU and Auburn yeah I mean in a regular season do you think that's that far fetched no I really don't by the way Lawton Swan of Clemson Sports Talk, the Clemson Sports Talk radio network. <laughs> he doesn't like it when I call it that. He'll be joining you this afternoon in about five minutes to take you home. Be sure to check out his show, um, Clemson Sports Talk from 4 to 6. Teddy Hefner is up this afternoon at – or he, he's already done his show. He goes from 9 to noon. You can catch him again on Monday morning. Always learn something from Teddy Hefner's show. So be sure to check that out. Blog page is up and running all weekend. I always post stupid stuff on the weekend. You know? I try to have breaking news there, but I generally post stupid things on the weekend. But uh, keep my blog page marked. It's at FoxSportsRadio1400.com. Of course, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Rob sounds good. podcast for the show will be up this afternoon at 5 o'clock. Look forward to talking with you Monday. Thanks for listening to The Rundown on Fox Sports Radio 1400.